I got a couple of pictures I want to show you this morning as we think about what's happening in our country. Uh, we know that there's fires, and these, these, these pictures were taken by friends of Shung Callen. Some of you know Shung. Uh, he's in California right now. He's not in the area where the fires are. But these pictures were taken by a friend of his, his, you can go to the next picture there, in California in, in the Redding area. And this friend, their particular house was saved, but all the homes around them were destroyed. Every, every friend's home of Shung's friend was destroyed in the fire. In fact, I was reading this morning, I was looking at my phone and just trying to figure out how many uh, acres have been burned. 145,000 acres have been burned in Redding, California. 1,073 homes, 500 and some other odd structures. Another 1,358 structures are being threatened by the fires. So if you, if you put that in perspective, uh, 1,073 homes, there's only 5,000 people in North Wilkesboro. So probably it would mean for us about every home in, in North Wilkesboro or every home in Wilkesboro would have, would have been wiped out. Now, that's tragic. So I want to pray for them right now. Would you pray with me for California? Lord, we lift before you California. Lord, we know that it seems that every summer, and some summers are worse than others, uh, that uh, many homes are destroyed. And Lord, I, I've never experienced uh, the ravages of a fire in my home. But Lord, right now there are many people who are displaced, who are homeless, who are going to have to wait for insurance. And Lord, we just pray for this state of California. We pray particularly for the Reading area, for all the people that are homeless. Lord, I pray that the church of Jesus Christ would rise up and help. We know Samaritan's Purse is already sending helpers out there to help. Maybe some people here this morning, Lord, would like to go out there and help out with the, dis dis the destruction and this devastation by fire in California. So we pray for that today. We pray for those people. We lift them before you. We pray for the firefighters and the emergency workers, Lord, that you would protect their lives and protect the lives of the people of California. And Lord, use this to draw people to yourself to see their need for you. And we ask that, Lord, you would help us, Lord, to gain perspective from the message this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So continue to pray for them. If you want to help out Samaritan's Purse, we're partners with them, and I get texts from them. You can, you can go out there and help out. If you're retired or you have some time off, you want to take that time, I pray that some of you will, will do that. Well, what if that was you whose home was destroyed? They say a lot of these people only got out with their pets. They got a warning that the fire is imminent. Just grab your pets and grab your family and just get out. And everything was lost in many, many homes. There was no time to prepare, no time to be ready. What if these people in California, what if they had had a, a warning ahead of time, long ahead of time, before they even bought their house? What, what, what could have been different? You know, obviously, natural disasters and, and accidents and things that come into our lives unexpectedly, we can't prepare for. But what if we could have prepared? What would they have done differently? Would they have built their homes in a different area? Would they have built their homes of different materials? How would they have planned if they knew this was coming? 
The passage of Scripture, and it's going to be 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. That's our passage for this morning. You can turn there in your Bible if you have your electronic devices. Let me encourage you to bring your Bibles with you and read your Bible and open the Scriptures as we read God's Word. Because this morning, as we come to the next, to the last, next week is about heaven. What's it going to be like? You're going to be surprised what you find out. You're going to be pleasantly surprised. I think you'll be excited about heaven. A lot of people aren't too excited about heaven because you just think it's going to be boring. What are we going to do? Sit on the cloud and play harp forever. No, no, it's going to be fascinating. That's next week. But this week, we come to the end of the beginning. In Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Today, in today's passage, we read that what happens at the end of this present creation What's God going to do? And it's really a pretty terrifying thought that we read in Scripture this morning, if you're not ready. But if you're ready, if you're prepared ahead of time, if you have planned ahead of time, you can be ready for it. So would you stand with me as we read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18? You follow along in your Bibles or your electronic devices, your iPads, as I read aloud from God's Word. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promises, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, verse 14, Beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish, and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own knowing, uh, to their own destruction, as they do to, their, to the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved church, you, therefore, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawlessness and lose your own stability, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. May God bless the reading of this portion of his word together. Please be seated. So what's the prognosis for our universe? The God who made it all, he, he, he's told us along the way of impending judgments that would come. Most people didn't believe the, uh, the preachers at the time. They didn't believe the word of God. Uh, in the day of uh, the flood, Noah preached for 120 years as he built this big boat. And I hope all of us, I haven't been yet either, can go see the, the, the ark in Ohio. And uh, go and see that. I, I believe that's a beautiful. How many of you have seen that already? Raise your hand. 
I know I've talked to a few people that have seen this amazing uh, edifice, apparently, very similar to what was built according to the Bible specifications. But when God preached through Noah for 120 years, at the end of that 120 years, only eight people got on the boat. All the rest of the creation was wiped out with a flood. Then in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, a, a place uh, in, t- in time and history that just disregarded the laws of God completely, disregarded the laws of nature regarding sexuality, re- disregarded the laws of morality, disregarded God's he- heated, uh, his warning repeatedly. And God says, I'm going to destroy this place with fire and brimstone. Even Lot's wife, in evacuating, she looked behind her, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. I don't know exactly how God did that. But tragedy struck, and people were unprepared because they didn't listen to what God said. And repeatedly throughout history, God says, if this happens, this is what's going to happen. And God's given us a prognosis. He's told us ahead of time what is going to happen to everything physical in our universe. And he says, it's going to burn up. So it's all going to burn. Here comes the burn. So I want us this morning to go away from here in light of knowing ahead of time what is yet to come according to God, according to his word. I want us to take a different perspective on life. And the first thing I want us to note this morning is this. I will not yearn for what will burn. You might want to write that down. I will not yearn for what will burn. Now, this is This is big. This is a a paradigm shift in our life because most of us yearn for the things that are going to burn. Everything physical, the Bible says, is going to burn. In the heavens and the earth and and all the constellations, everything is going to melt. And we're going to look at those scriptures in more detail in just a minute. What is it that you're yearning for? What is that one next thing, young people, college students, moms or dads, retirees? What's that one next thing that you want to buy? Now, I'm not saying you, don't, you shouldn't buy it necessarily. I'm saying this. If you're yearning for what is going to burn, you may be very disappointed in the long run with the outcome of how you're living your life because it's all going to burn, and I'm not going to yearn for what will burn. Let's look at now this passage in detail. Look at verse 10 with me again. But the day of the Lord, this is a, a phrase that's used repeatedly in the New Testament particularly, and it means the day of judgment. The day of the Lord is the day of judgment. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and that is unexpectedly. You're not looking for a thief unless you're married and your wife wakes you up in the middle of the night many times throughout your life. I know there's somebody in the house. You know, you've been there many times probably. But in general, we don't look for or expect a thief. The day of the Lord, the day of judgment, will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And some of you say, well, I just don't believe that sounds really crazy. No, everything in the Bible, if you don't have a theistic approach to life, if you say, I'm not going to believe in God, and the Bible says that everybody has this innate knowledge of God. Every one of us, the Bible says, knows, we're programmed to know that God exists. And if God exists and told us about the creation, if God exists and he's told us about previous judgments, if God created everything out of nothing, you know, science tells us that in a closed system, nothing can be created or destroyed. Matter cannot be created or destroyed, but God can. 
And God did. And he created and he's going to destroy. And so this passage tells us that the judgment of God will kind of come eventually on this earth. Now, we've already studied the judgments of individuals. And we talked about the great white throne judgment. We talked about the Bema judgment of Christ. We talked about the rapture of the church. We talked about all of those things. Now we're talking about the judgment of the physical universe. It's going to come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar. Now, if you've watched any of the news footage of the fires in California, or if you've been near to a fire, that big bonfire, you hear this whistling sound. You hear this roar of the fire. Almost Last week, we talked about Niagara Falls and the, the sound of waters. That must have been what it was like on the earth during the flood. During the fire, which God burns up the creation and all the elements in the creation, it's like a whistling and cracking sound. And the heavenly bodies, that is, all of the universe. You say, well, that, that's incredible to think all of the universe can be destroyed in a moment. Well, I believe that all the universe was created in a short time by the God of the universe. And the same God that created it has the same power to destroy the universe and to start over. And this is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be burned. The heavenly bodies will be burned. They will be burned up. They will be dissolved now listen to the next part. This is important for you and me, the way we live our lives. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. The works that are done in it. All the things that we build with our hands, everything that we manufacture, everything that we produce, everything that we grow, everything is eventually going to be dissolved. Now, I don't know exactly how God's going to do this, God is God, and we understand about atoms and protons and neutrons and electrons, but the Bible seems to indicate here that the very elements of nature will be melted down, and God will start all over and create new heavens and new earth. Our houses, our cars, our designs, our cash, our gold, our silver, our safety deposit boxes, our banking accounts, our... Uh, Computers, our cell phones, everything is going to be burned up. So I have got to be careful that I'm living my life in such a way that I'm not yearning for what will burn. I've got a deeper burn in me. I'm, I'm yearning for something that's going to outlast my life. I'm yearning for something that's going to outlast creation. So I will not yearn for what will burn, but here's what I want to yearn for. I will yearn for the God who burns. I will yearn for the God who burns. Now, we're playing with words here a little bit. God's going to burn up everything, and he has the right to do so. He created it all. He's going to burn it up. He's going to start over. Next week, we're going to study that in detail. He's going to create new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's, that's fascinating to me. But in the meantime, I keep perspective that everything on this planet that is physical will burn. And so if I yearn for that, I'm going to yearn for that which is not going to last. But if I, learn for the, if I yearn for the God who burns in my heart, I will never be disappointed. He will never be destroyed. He will reward me. I will yearn for the God who burns, the God who's going to burn up the planet, but more importantly, for the God who burns in my heart. Remember Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament? 
He came to a point in his life where he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop speaking up about God. I'm just going to go quiet for a while. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to hold off. We, this past week in our Wednesday night study, at, so many of you missed such a good time the last four weeks together. Uh, we studied about getting the word out to the universe and to people in our universe about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation, being evangelists and getting the word out. We're yearning for the one who burns in our hearts. And Jeremiah said, okay, he came to a point. He said, I'm going to stop. And here's what he said. After a little while, he couldn't stand it anymore. God was burning in his heart. The, the creator that made him was burning in his heart. He, he wanted to know him. He wanted to speak about him. And he says, I couldn't contain myself because he, his, his, his presence burned in me like a fire. What do, we, what do we really need at Celebration Church? We need a heart that burns for God. More than stuff. More than success, more than pleasure, more than vacations. And I'm hoping to take a vacation in the next month or two and get away for a little while. But I have a heart, I want to have a heart that wants God more than anything. Well, you say, I do. Well, is it reflected in the way you live your life? Is it reflected in the things that you spend your money on and the way that you use your home and your car and everything that you possess for the kingdom of God or for your own selfish um, enjoyment? The Bible says we're to enjoy everything that we have, so don't get me wrong. I don't think that everybody in this room needs to go sell all their homes and all their cars and get rid of everything that you have. I think we need to enjoy what God's given us, but here's what I do think. I think we need to evaluate. What do we have? Do we have too much? Why do we have it? What are we doing with it? How are we going to use it for God's glory and for God's kingdom? How is it going to be used for that which is going to last? And that's people. The only thing that's going to last in eternity is people. The souls of people. So I'm going to yearn for what is burned. There's a God-shaped vacuum inside of me that no physical pleasure will provide. There's a God-shaped vacuum inside of me that needs a relationship with God that no earthly pleasure will provide. No success, no matter, no, no, uh, matter how much material possessions you have, it will never satisfy you. Uh, Pastor Brian played me a song this week. Uh, these young people, they, they know all this music that I've never heard of. Some of you with me, I, I, and I love, I, I'm learning a lot about music. But this is a group called House Fires. And he, here's some of the lyrics, uh, the main lyric in that song that, that grabbed my heart this week. It says this, my heart is a wick. Your love is the flame. God, I want to burn for you. Everything else is going to burn. Do you have a heart that yearns and burns for God? And that's reflected in your schedule, in your life, in your priorities. I want that for me. I want that for my wife. I want that for my children. I want that for my seven grandchildren. I want that for you because that's the only thing that will satisfy. So I'm not going to yearn for what will burn. I'm going to have perspective. But I will yearn for what the God who burns. And look at verse 11 in our text this morning. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved... Dissolve, that means 
melted away to nothing. The fanciest homes, the nicest cars, the greatest pleasures in all of this world physically are going to be dissolved. And now he asks a rhetorical question, which he also gives an answer to. Sometimes a rhetorical question is a question in which the answer is implied very strongly. But not only is it implied here, he actually answers the question. Look at verse 11. Since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Holiness is, means I'm set apart. I'm burning for God. I'm setting my life apart for God and for his kingdom completely. I'm going to yearn and burn for him. That's holiness. And godliness is letting that come out of your life and your character as the Holy Spirit works in you. It says... Everything's going to be dissolved. So what sort of people ought we to be in our holiness and godliness, verse 12, waiting for and hastening. Hastening means making it happen quickly or at least seem to come quickly. Hastening the coming of the day of God. A while ago, we saw the phrase, the day of the Lord. That stands for judgment. In the Bible, when we see the phrase, the day of God, this refers to eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to eternity with God forever and forever in a place that is, has no sin, no wickedness, no death, no hell. Hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So we're not really so excited that the universe is going to burn. I'm not asking you to be excited about that. What we're supposed to be excited about in anticipating is that in light of the fact that it's going to be dissolved and that the day of God, the eternal state is going to come, the new heavens and the new earth, I'm going to live in anticipation of that. I'm going to be planning for that. I'm going to be looking ahead for that. The people in California had very little warning. God's given us a couple of thousand years of warning that everything's going to burn, but something much greater is coming that we can invest in now. Excited anticipation. I get excited when football season comes around, and I know it's been tainted recently about the whole kneeling scandal and all that stuff, and it's kind of soured a little bit. But uh, preseason football starts this month. I'm excited about football. I'm excited. I get excited about certain seasons of the year. Uh, fall to me is refreshing, especially where we live. We're in a beautiful area of the world. One of the prettiest, I've been around the world, and this is one of the prettiest places that in the whole creation God's given us. I'm excited about fall. I'm excited about football. But I'm tell you what I'm really excited about. I'm excited about eternity. An eternity with the God who loves me and gave himself for me and anticipating what's yet to come. Is anybody excited with me about that? I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm, I'm anxious to learn more about it. And as I study the scriptures, I learn more and more. This is excited anticipation. This is expectancy. Now, it's kind of, I was talking with Brian about this this week. It says that we can hasten the coming of the day of God. Now, the Bible says that God has a time frame. And so I'm trying to figure out how can we hasten the day of God. Now, let me ask you this. At work, what passes faster? A day that you're busy and involved or a day where it's really slow and boring? Which passes quicker? When you're active, when you're involved. The Bible says that we're not to sit around on a couch just waiting for Jesus to come back and, and just doing nothing. We're to be excited in anticipation that he's coming and keeping busy doing things for him that will last, investing in people, and that this time that we're waiting, and sometimes it seems so long, 
This time that we're waiting for him to come seems so long. I was with my folks this weekend. As you know, my dad's in our home now. And I, I'm concerned more for my mom than my dad because he's in a home and his mind's not really there. He'll wake up for a minute, but he's not in pain. He's not suffering. He doesn't really, he doesn't have an awareness of his situation as best as we can understand to a great degree. But my mom, mm, it's long for her. She's home alone now. She goes to visit dad. But my mom has a problem with her shoulder. Looks like a torn rotator cuff. She had an accident years ago where she tore nerve endings from her other arm, and she's had nerve pain in that ever since. She's got a problem with her sciatic nerve, and uh, she has a problem with her hip, and she it moves around in her body from one place to the other. And spending Friday all day with her and Saturday all day with her, my heart just bled for my mom because really she's truly just waiting for Jesus. But she's keeping busy. She's doing all that she can, but boy, it seems so long sometimes. And just putting on her shirt the other day, she had to put a little patch on her arm with lidocaine in it to help with the nerve pain. And she's taking these pills for pain. And she was just, I was helping her lift up her, her, her arm to just get her sleeve off so she could put this patch. And just the, the pain in her face and the moaning of her, of her situation, it's just hard. Some of you have people there in your life right now who are going through something like that. And it's hard. Life is hard. But while we're waiting, while we're serving God, we live in ancient and anxious anticipation that Jesus could come any minute and we can be with him forever. So we keep busy as we're waiting for him. We're serving him. We're investing in eternity. And the time passes a little bit quicker as we wait and wait and serve. So I'm not going to yearn for what will burn. I'm going to have a yearning in my heart for the God who burns. And then lastly this morning, this, I'll invest in what will last. I will invest in what will last. Now think about what we said already this morning. Nothing physical in this universe is going to last. So how do I invest my life that way? Let me tell you a couple things about our church. In the last couple of years, we've been building up uh, missionaries that we support. I've told you a couple of times, we've got nine missions and missionaries that we support locally and around the globe. Every month, we send out $3,200 to missionaries and uh, send it out to them. This past month, we had the privilege of helping missionaries that are actually preparing to go for training or go to the field. And this past month, we, we sent out $10,000 extra to serve God. Can we give it up for what God's done through you people? Now, I'm not saying that to brag on us because, you know, or me or anything. It had nothing to do with me. But it had to do with God's people being touched to be generous and to invest in eternity. Well, you know what happened? We've been struggling a little bit with finances this year, and we've been kind of on the, holding off on our spending on anything unnecessary. We've been honoring God and trying to be good stewards of that. Well, this week, just after giving $10,000 over and above the $3,200 a month that we give to missionaries, just after that, just... Uh, sort of a rush of gifts came in. Amen. No, nobody knew about this, right? You can't outgive God. Some of you are missing out. Some of you have never, ever learned to invest your money 
And I know that's a tough subject, but Jesus talked about it more than heaven and hell because he knows that we invest our money, we can't invest it in heaven, and that hell would try to keep us from doing so. Are you investing in eternity? The, the best days are, he, are ahead for believers, and we want to invest in what's ahead. Look at verse 13. But according to his promise, and all the promises of God are yes and amen. We sing about that. All of his promises are going to come to pass. According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen? That means, listen, in case you're wondering, well, what if it happens again? What if sin creeps in again? No, no. The Bible teaches that it's not going to happen again. God's going to ban sin forever, going to ban death forever, going to ban hell forever, going to ban bad, bad, bad relationships forever. He's, he's going to only protect and do that which is good in eternity. This is a kingdom, a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells because the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to dwell there with us. Amen? It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. And it says there's a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells in dwells in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, really, what are you waiting for? What are you anticipating? Since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him, him without spot or blemish and in peace, not in anxiety, not living your lives of impurity and disregarding all that God has to say about morality for your life, and your finances and everything that's priority into your life as a Christian. It says, you want to live lives that are pleasing to God. Be diligent to be found with him without spot, without blemish. And at peace, you're not anxious. You're not anxious about the earth burning up because you're, you're investing in that which is going to outlast it. You're not anxious. You're at peace. Be found by him without spot or blemish. And at peace, look at verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in his letter when he speaks of them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. You ever read a part of the Bible that's hard to understand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some places that are, a lot of it's easy to understand. Some of it's difficult. And he says this about Paul's writings which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. Some people twist and distort the message of the Bible as they do other scriptures. So the Bible says this in verse 15. Why doesn't Jesus come yet? Why hasn't he come yet? It tells us. Count it. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Why is God waiting? Why hasn't Jesus come yet? Why hasn't Jesus destroyed the earth yet? He's waiting for the next person to come to Christ. He's waiting for you to tell that person at work and that neighbor and that person at the gym. He's waiting for you to tell those people who are not prepared for eternity. He's waiting to get more and more people into the kingdom. And then when, when it's full and when his plan is worked out, he's going to come. But it's not that he's forgotten. It's not that he's not going to come. But he's patiently awaiting people to come to him. Now, that might be you. You might be the next one he's waiting for to come into his kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ. And if so, I trust that today you would accept him. Maybe you're watching online or listening to the podcast. Listen, Jesus is going to come. 
and he's waiting for you to come to him. Listen, when we talked about doing this series on prophecy, we talked about a lot of people get, you know, some people go to prophecy conferences all the time and they get all caught up about prophecy and speculation of when this is going to happen and people make dates and set them and the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. But I want you to remember this, that the point of the purpose of prophetic truth is not speculation but motivation. Why are we, why are we teaching this? Why are we talking about the last days? Why are we talking about judgment? Because we want to be motivated We want to be prepared for the future, but we also want to be motivated for right now. We want to keep perspective on what's important. So why are we doing this series on prophecy? To give you a perspective and keep you motivated while you wait. Seems like a long time. Seems like he's never going to come, but he's going to come. Look at verse 17. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand... Take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. He says, knowing this beforehand. We began the service talking about the fires in California. What if they had known beforehand? How could they have prepared? Maybe they would have built in a different area. Maybe they would have moved a long time ago. Maybe they would have built of different materials. But if they had known beforehand, perhaps things could have been different. Now, God says, we know this beforehand. That's interesting that the words in the Greek is prognosko. Let me say it a little differently, and I think maybe you'll get the English word that we get that word, get from that word in Greek. Prognosko. Prognosis. You go to the doctor, and you get a prognosis about your illness or your injury or whatever. Well, my son just had surgery on his ankle and says, in a couple of weeks, you're going to come back. You're going to get a hard cast on that. If that goes well, in a few weeks, you'll get that off, and then you'll walk with a boot for a while. The prognosis was made very clear. God says, you have a prognosis, you know ahead of time, prognosko in Greek means to know beforehand. Pro, before, gnosis is to know. So God says, you know ahead of time, first of all, that God exists, and now you know ahead of time that he's going he's to melt everything down. In light of that, what should you do? It's a rhetorical question, but he answers it in verse 18. Here's the answer. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. What's a prognosis? It's all going to burn. But we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We can grow in our relationship. We can grow in holiness. We can be more excited about evangelism and winning people to Christ and telling people about the Jesus that's going to come. And we can invest in eternity so that all is not lost when we get to that judgment day and when all is burned. When a medical prognosis is made, a patient is better able to prepare himself for what is ahead, if possible, and to correct himself. Like the doctor might say to me, well, you know what? If you keep eating like you're eating and you keep gaining weight, you might have some serious heart trouble down the road somewhere. All of us have had some sort of prognosis from the doctor. He said ahead of time, if you continue in this way, 
this is what's going to happen. But if you will change, if you will turn, the Bible calls that repentance, and you will start refocusing on what is eternal, then you can change the outcome. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says this, do not lay up. That means hoard up, store up. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up. So he says, don't lay up certain things, but lay up other things. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break through and steal. This is called delayed gratification. Some of you in the financial world understand that. If you take some of your money out of your paycheck each week and you put it into 401k and you don't enjoy that money now, but you prepare for your retirement down the road, you, you invest in what's to come. You understand that in a limited sense on this earth, but the Bible says that even in a greater way, we can prepare for eternity by knowing Christ, yes, and that comes by the grace of God through faith, but now that I know him, I can invest in eternity with my life. Delayed gratification. We're talking about long-term investment. If you will, offshore investments. Some of you may have some offshore investments. We're talking about offshore, off the planet, out of the universe, out of our bubble, the time as we know it, investing in that which will last and will not be burned up. Don't lay up treasures on earth. That's not where our hope is, but lay up treasures in heaven. D delayed gratification, long-term investment. Can I ask you a question? And I want you to really truly think about it. What are you working for? What are you working for? Another way to say it is this. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Or another way to emphasize that is, what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? You say, well, I'm working for my family. I got to feed my family. I got to provide a roof over there. Yeah, absolutely. You do. And the Bible says if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. But at what point does the need for more stop? For finer and better and bigger and more and more and more and collections. I get so, I really, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that's a jealous person. I, 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 when I dedicated my life to ministry, I knew I would never be a wealthy person. And God's provided for me and I'm thankful. And I'm thankful for what you do for me and my salary every week. But I do get sad when I look on Facebook and I see where people's priorities are. And their collections of this and their collections of that and more and more of this. And I'm thinking, man, do they not realize it's going to burn? So what we need to do is trade our greed for contentment. The Bible says be content with such things as you have. How do you, okay, so here's a, here's a way to ask the question. How do you fireproof your stuff? How do you fireproof your stuff? Here's a few thoughts. You repurpose it. You have a home? Say, so, okay, I got a home. God's blessed me. I got a nice home. I'm going to use it for life group. I'm going to use it to get people in my home that don't know Jesus. I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. I'm going to use my home to bring in homeless people who don't have a place to live. I'm going to use my home for children who don't have parents. 
I'm going to repurpose my home. I'm going to use my car on Sunday to pick up people who can't come to church because they don't have a car and they don't have a way to get here and they can't afford the gas. I'm going to use my vehicle for God. I'm going to repurpose my stuff. I'm going to relocate my investments to offshore for eternity. I'm going to exchange currency. You know, a lot of people had a lot of concern uh, when, uh, when the Civil War took place and people had old currency and then they had lots of it. But then when the, when the economy changed and turned over, all of that old currency was worth absolutely nothing. If we can kind of keep in mind that that's, that's the paradigm, that's the model for eternity. If we're not investing in eternity now, all that currency, all of that stuff is just going to be burnt up. How do you fireproof your stuff? You repurpose it. You relocate it offshore. You exchange currency. You can't take it with you, but you can sit it on the head. The fires in California have been so intensely hot that the, the weather forecasters have trouble predicting where the fire is going to turn because here's what they said. The fire is so hot that it's creating its own weather systems. That's mind-boggling. The fire is hot. It's creating its own weather systems. It's harder to produce. Listen, here's what God wants for us. He wants us to create our own weather system. He wants us to, to not be a thermometer just reflecting the temperature around us. He wants us to be a thermostat that we set, and we set it on eternal values, and we set the thermostat in such a way that we live our lives differently from the people around us and that we create our own weather system around us. As a next step this week, would you write this down? I will burn... I will burn with what will not burn. That's people. That's investing in people. Investing everything I have in people and in that which will last for eternity. I will burn with what will not burn. Here's another way to say that. I will be consumed with what cannot be consumed. It's not the physical stuff of the universe. It's investing that stuff in eternity, I will be consumed with what will not be consumed. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Are you just reflecting the temperature of those and the positions and the values and the morality of the people around you? Are you, set, are you the thermostat that changes the weather system and controls it? Here's a question I'd like to ask you as we close today. What will you take with you? The people in California, they, they didn't have much forewarning. So they got away with their families. They got away with their pets. That's it. What are you going to take with you as you step into eternity? How are you investing your life, your morals, your thoughts, your time, your talent, and your treasure in people that are going to last for eternity. What are you going to take with you? Would you pray with me? God, I just really, my heart is aching today, Lord, to be used of you to, Lord, help us shift our priorities and our thoughts, to shift our investments to what will outlast this universe to shift our thoughts to how we can invest in people for all of eternity 
souls that will last and live somewhere in heaven or in hell for all of eternity. Lord, challenge us. Help us not to be just a thermometer that just reflects the temperature around us. But Lord, help us to set the thermostat on that which is eternal, to value that which you value. Father, for that man or woman or boy or girl who doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, today can be the day of their salvation if they will cry out to you, the judge of all the earth, and realize that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to be buried in a grave, and to rise again three days later so that we might have the gift of eternal life. If you don't know Christ, right where you are, in your car, in your living room, here in this building, you can cry out to God right now from the depths of your heart and say, God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I ask you to come into my life and transform me, to change me, to make me your child. I turn away from my sin, and I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior. Lord, help us to do now what we'll be glad we've done when we stand before you in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand as we think about what we've, what we've talked about today, as we sing about that, as we invest in eternity, and ask God right now what you'd have him to do. If you want to talk to us, we'll be available in the lobby afterwards. Please do now what God, what you'll be glad you've done when you stand before God as we sing.